As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can describe the characteristics of a male with borderline personality disorder. I'll refer to this disorder as BPD. Another question here is, are there gender differences with BPD? So sort of a similar question. So first I'm gonna define this disorder and then look at what the research says about any potential gender differences. And I'll give my thoughts on this topic from my clinical experience. So first, the definition of BPD as we see it in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. We see that it is a cluster B personality disorder in the same cluster as antisocial, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorders. This is the dramatic erratic cluster, and it has nine symptoms in the symptom criteria. Five have to be met for a diagnosis of the disorder. So with the symptoms, we see frantic efforts to avoid abandonment. We see a history of unstable relationships. This is referred to sometimes as the love-hate cycle, tending to idealize a romantic partner and then tending to devalue that partner. It doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic partner, but most of the time we find that it is. We also see identity disturbance, so difficulties with self-image, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. We see suicidal behavior, affective instability. This is having difficulty regulating emotions. We see a chronic feeling of emptiness, inappropriate or intense anger or difficulty controlling anger, and paranoid ideation or dissociation. The prevalence of BPD in the population is about 2%. However, in outpatient populations, it's closer to 10%. And in inpatient populations, it may be as high as 20%. The true prevalence by gender is really unknown. So what percent of females have this order and what percent of males have this disorder, we really don't know that for sure. Current findings suggest that around 75% of all people with BPD are female, and we know that about 80% of people receiving treatment for BPD are female. Of course, this particular statistic wouldn't be surprising in light of that first one. So is BPD really more prevalent among women, or is there some other explanation? And we see a number of theories here. There could be overdiagnosing of BPD in females, so this order may not be as prevalent as we think. Clinicians may be looking at females 
and jumping right to BPD when they should be considering other diagnoses. We could also see an underdiagnosing phenomenon with males. So we see clinicians who are looking at a male and thinking, well, BPD must not be really likely here, so I'm going to look at other diagnoses first. Some would argue that there's a bias built right into the symptom criteria. So the disorder is defined in a way that leads to a finding that more females have the disorder than males. Now, if BPD is more common in women, if there's really a gender difference here, it would not be the only personality disorder where this happens. For example, women are more frequently diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder, again, also from cluster B, and dependent personality disorder, which is from cluster C, the anxious, fearful cluster. Men are more frequently diagnosed with cluster A personality disorders, so paranoid, schizoid, and schizotypal personality disorders. They're also more frequently diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder from cluster B, as well as obsessive compulsive personality disorder from cluster C. Now, if we look at some of the research around this symptom criteria point, right, this idea that the bias is built into the definition of BPD, we see that some studies look to identify what's called differential item functioning. So this happens when individuals who have the same levels of a trait do not have the same probability of that item being endorsed. So the items function differently for them. If the items function differently by gender, when the symptom criteria are equally applied to both genders, this will result in a bias. This, of course, doesn't necessarily invalidate the criterion for a particular gender, but it can help us understand why one gender is diagnosed more with the disorder than the other. So here's what's really interesting when we look at these findings. When we apply this way of looking at the symptom criteria for BPD, again, this differential item functioning, some studies report gender invariance for all of the nine BPD symptoms. So what they're really saying here is there's no difference in functioning by gender. Other reports indicate gender invariance for seven of the nine items of borderline personality disorder. So the majority of items here, we see gender invariance, but there are two where we see gender variance. So another way of putting it, for seven of the nine symptoms, there's no difference in the item functioning by gender. Only with two items would we see a difference. The two that are different by gender would be impulsivity and anger, right? Those two symptom criteria for BPD. These are more easily indicated for men than for women, meaning that clinicians making assessments have a lower threshold to endorse those symptoms for men as opposed to the threshold they apply to women. Another way of putting this is that women have to have a higher level of impulsivity and anger to have those symptoms endorsed as compared to men. We also see findings that implicate the chronic feelings of emptiness symptom criterion in terms of gender variance. We see this idea that the experience of the chronic feeling of emptiness has a weaker relationship to BPD for men than it does for women. So if a male has a chronic feeling of emptiness, his chances of having BPD would be lower than a female who has that symptom. There's an idea here that boredom may actually be a better symptom criterion for men instead of the chronic feeling of emptiness symptom criterion, because boredom does seem to point to borderline personality disorder in men. Looking back years ago at the DSM-3 and the DSM-3-R, we see that the symptom criterion was different. It was chronic feelings of emptiness or boredom. 
and after that, boredom was dropped because it didn't hold up well as pointing to BPD. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. So I've covered the symptom criteria and how they may be different from males to females, but what about comorbidity? So what about the co-occurrence of BPD and other disorders? That's what comorbidity is, when two disorders occur together, when they co-occur. So men with BPD are at a much greater risk of having substance use disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, as well as antisocial and narcissistic personality disorders. So that's the comorbidity with BPD in males. With BPD in females, we see a greater risk of mood disorders, like major depressive disorder, or bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders like generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder. We see high comorbidity with eating disorders and post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, it makes sense that because borderline personality disorder is a personality disorder, that there may be some differences in personality between men with BPD and women with BPD. And the only thing we really see in the literature that stands out is that men with BPD have higher levels of sensation-seeking than women with BPD. So with all this, with the definition and all this we see in the research, what do I think is really going on in this situation? Is there really a gender difference? Well, first of all, we can learn a lot from the comorbidity we see with males who have BPD, specifically the comorbidity with antisocial personality disorder and intermittent explosive disorder. So disorders that have a lot of anger and aggression. So if somebody presents with anger and aggression, a lot of times that's going to be the focus of treatment, and that may be the only diagnosis given. So clinicians sometimes don't bother to diagnose BPD if they feel like there's a more pressing issue. And what I mean by pressing issue in this case is any disorder that involves aggression, which of course is not necessarily good practice, but it is what happens. I don't think the gender difference in terms of prevalence 
is really as large as what we see reported. I think there's a bias in sampling, and I think a lot of mental health clinicians think about BPD as a disorder that primarily affects females. So I believe we do see overdiagnosis in females and underdiagnosis in males. I think that some of this has to do with the gender stereotypes, specifically the idea that women are more emotional than men. And of course, this ties more closely to the symptoms we see with BPD. I don't think the disorder presents that differently from women to men. And I've treated a lot of people, both male and female, who had borderline personality disorder. The research generally supports my experiences as a clinician, at least in this regard. One of the difficulties that males with BPD face is that the resources to treat BPD are already scarce. Finding a mental health clinician who is competent and willing to treat BPD is challenging, regardless of the gender of the client. And some resources do seem to be more tailored toward females as opposed to males. For example, the majority of borderline personality disorder therapy groups are all female. So if the gender differences really aren't that significant, why do we see so much information on the internet that says there's a large difference? We see a number of blogs, posts on forums, and YouTube videos that attempt to explain the difference between males and females with BPD. Some even include references, in theory, references that would support what they said in the post or the video. I'll just use the term descriptions to refer to this content. And I find this interesting about the references because some of the time when I look at these descriptions, I'll pull the articles that were referenced and I'll read them. And there's nothing in those articles that actually supports what was said in the description. So I came up with this theory. If you want to convince somebody of your point of view, add a number of references that have nothing to do with what you're saying, because few people actually go through the trouble of finding them in an online library, for example, and reading them. Just like my theory about starting a sentence with research indicates, right? If you start a sentence with research indicates, a lot of people aren't going to challenge what you say after that. Now, when somebody says that to me, I say, what research? Point me to it. I'll be happy to take a look at it. And often I'm just met with like a blank stare. So why do some people produce this content with little or no evidence to support what they're saying? Why do they want to convince people so badly that a male with BPD is so different than a female with BPD? Maybe they believe that saying there's a difference will make their opinion more appealing, more interesting, more tailored to their audience. Maybe they really believe the differences are significant, so they don't feel badly about putting references that are unrelated along with that content. There is this bias in science that I've noticed where we tend to look for differences more than things being the same. So we want to prove that two factors or variables or constructs are actually different. So one treatment is better than another, or there's a different effect from one type of trauma as compared to another type of trauma. And certainly a lot of differences do exist across many different types of factors. But sometimes we look for differences that simply aren't there, or we look to find a difference that's larger than it really is. Finding that there is no difference between two constructs is meaningful. It's actually just as important as finding a difference, right? So this bias in science and research is a little bit dangerous. So what can a male who suspects that he has borderline personality disorder do to maximize his chances of effective treatment? Well, find a mental health counselor who's licensed and qualified and who has experience in treating a wide variety of disorders, including personality disorders. 
and voice concerns about possible misdiagnosis. So essentially, encourage your therapist to conduct a careful assessment. Let them know what your concerns are. Allow the mental health clinician to explain which symptoms you've endorsed and which symptoms you haven't, and be open to the idea that you may not have BPD. A person can have symptoms of a disorder without actually having a disorder. This is actually relatively common. If it turns out that you do have it, be aware that the treatment may take some time. Generally, personality disorders don't change very quickly in terms of symptom severity, frequency, or duration. But again, counseling can be effective for BPD, as well as many of the other disorders I mentioned here and other disorders that I did not mention specifically. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevitz. Learn more at arslonga.media. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.